Thank you, Joe, and uh, worship team leading us to the throne of biblical grace today and through biblical musical worship today as well. If you brought your Bible, I hope you did. Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 1. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 1. And we're in the continuation of our Beatitudes series today. And I want to thank you so much for uh, the uh, wonderful encouragement that you've given me over the last several weeks, especially this past week. Thank you so much for encouraging me as I uh, deliver what I believe God has for us through this particular series. And I also want to thank you for those of you that have hate mail that you continue to send that to Joe Buckner. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I really do not like to respond to those. However, I will, but I think Joe does a better job of that. So uh, anyway, thank you so much for encouraging uh, this. We are right in the, uh, actually we've turned the corner. We're over to the backside of the Beatitudes and we'll continue on uh, two more weeks in that. And then we have our celebration time as well for our Acts 1-8 celebration. I want to give you a little plug for that. Acts 1-8 celebration is going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to have a phenomenal, phenomenal time uh, during that celebration time of our Acts 1-8 celebration for our missions around the world and here as well. And the one reason is because I think we're doing it right. We are living out Scripture. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest part of the earth. And I am so excited about what God is about to do in the life of Roswell Street Baptist Church through our Acts 1-8 initiative. Matthew chapter 5, beginning with the first verse and following, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Today I want to talk to you about pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall shall see God. Let's pray. Father, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight today. Father, as we unpack Scripture today and we dive into your word today, I pray, Father, that it pierces our heart today. Father, it would be so tragic as I pray often that it would be so tragic that we come into this facility or view us by our live stream We come into a worship gathering like this today and we sing songs of praise to your name. We hear the the word proclaimed today. We come one way and we leave the same way. Father, I pray that this message today will be a turning point, a transformation in our own lives. And let the Lord begin in me today. I want to be different than I came into this place today. Use the word to transform our lives today. 
We love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you're about to do. We thank you for all the momentum and the excitement that we have at Roswell Street Baptist Church. I truly believe, and I say this from the top of my voice, that our best days are ahead of us if we keep our eyes glued upon you, Father. We want to be that church that people want to be a part of. And Father, I pray that we do whatever it takes for us to be transformed so that we can proclaim your word in a precise way and lives will be radically changed. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for what you're going to do in this place today and in the days to come. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. If I have a message truth, this is it. To have a pure heart, we, I, must openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. I want that to sink into your heart today because I think it's a threefold process. I must come to grips with where I am today. I must come to the understanding of my faults and failures of where I am today. I must openly confess. I must examine my life and confess my faults, first of all, to myself, admitting that I have issues in my life, that I have faults in my life. And then I must take it to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God that will transform those into for his glory and for our goodness. So I take my thoughts to myself first and then to God. And then I need to speak to someone that I trust, sharing those things. The pure in heart are those who are single-minded in their devotion to God. Therefore, morally pure inward. Inward moral purity is an important theme of Matthew's gospel and in the Old Testament, to be quite honest with you. Likewise, freedom from hypocrisy is also a prominent position of the New Testament church. And I think that many of the uh, theologians that I've studied in preparation for our series today, uh, this week, uh, this few days that we've had, I I think probably they come to the same uh, conclusion that Jesus probably implied the ideas here, both ideas. In our present lives, the Holy Spirit leads us to purifying our hearts in many, many ways. And we should cooperate with him in this process. We call that in church terms. Just uh, uh, sanctification, that we are being sanctified. It's an ongoing process. We are saved by God's grace, and when we're saved by God's grace, we have instant salvation into our lives. But to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, we call that being sanctification or sanctified in our process. And I believe many of us in this room understand that. But in the future, when we're with the Lord, we shall see, we shall be completely pure in our hearts and we shall see Him. We call that glorification. Now you say, well, man, I'm just being glorified. Well, you're not in heaven yet. Well, some of you look like you might ought to be in heaven, you know. I mean, just without the makeup and not lay, you're not laying horizontal, right? To be quite honest with you, so sanctification is that process of us growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ, growing in understanding of who he is, transforming us, cleaning us up, making us more like him. 
then when we get to heaven, we will be glorified. That's called glorification. The pure in heart can look forward to seeing God in the person of the Messiah when he reigns again, when he reigns here on earth. Messiah will be single-minded in his devotion to God and moral purity. Dr. Warren Wisby said it so beautifully. I think it's appropriate for us to quote him. He says, the pure in heart see God in creation and circumstances. Also, we see him in his word. Now, not one of us, not one of us, nobody on planet earth today has seen God physically. We've not seen him physically, but we can see him spiritually when we unpack his beloved word each and every day of our lives. So we can see God in his word. We can see it in the circumstances that we are around, as Wiersbe said. And we can see it in all of creation. To be quite honest with you, I still think, to be honest with you, I really do. And I know some would differ with me on this. But I believe that we have the prettiest landscapes in all of the world. There are some magnificent landscapes around the globe. There are some magnificent landscapes throughout the Central American countries and even Mexico and down in the South American countries and Europe and the Alps and all of that. But I still believe the United States of America, with all our flaws that we have, we have the prettiest landscapes ever. I mean, how could you not like the Smoky Mountains? How could you not like the Rocky Mountains? How could you not like the white sandy beaches of Gulf Shores, Alabama? How could you not tolerate the east coast of St. Simon Island? I'm telling you, it's beautiful. It's different, but it's beautiful. We have the most majestic, and we can see God in every aspect in every circumstances and every creation that he created let's be honest today we got to be honest with ourselves today because all of us have failed some of us quite miserably including myself all of us have blown it from time to time all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory nobody is perfect Except for the women in the room today. Nobody is perfect. We are all failures. Other than that, none of us, none of us, the rest of us are perfect at all. That's why Paul wrote to the church at Rome these words. All has sinned and fallen short of, the glo- of God's glory. I heard an old Alabama preacher one say one, day, one time he was preaching that Romans 3.23 verse. And he was preaching that and he was trying to explain that text. And after he read the text, he began to explain it this way. He said, well, folks, gather in here and understand that God knows all your sins and God has seen all of your fallen shorts. Some of you will get that at lunch today, right? It had to be an Alabama preacher, right? Georgia preachers would never, ever say something like that. You see, God has seen all our shortcomings. Why? Because he's omnipresent and he's omniscient. He's everywhere all the time and sees all and knows all. All has fallen short of the glory of God. But at some point, we would say, hold on just a minute, preacher. 
hang on just a second. I didn't sign up for all of this kind of stuff. To admit something to myself, sure, I can do that. I can even say, God, I admit that I'm, I'm a sinner. I can do that. I, 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 I can go that far. But for me to lean over to one of my friends and admit my failures or to someone that I hardly know, that's kind of weird. That's kind of strange. It's like kind of circling up and saying, I want to tell you how I feel here today. That would be kind of weird, amen? You see, some of us need to admit those failures. And I say that to, for us to commit those failures and admit those failures to someone that we trust. Someone that knows us. Someone that loves us. Some that we can have communication with. Everybody take a deep breath. We're not going to stop in the middle of the sermon and lean over to each other and start confessing sin. So take a deep breath. But God is not asking us to do something out of the norm. What he's asking us to do is to be real. He's asking us that you and I be completely honest, to be honest with him, to be honest with ourselves and with people that we completely trust. It's because freedom is impossible without honesty. Freedom is completely impossible without being honest. John chapter 8 verse 32. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In other words, truth is the cost of freedom. But, to, but the freedom is the reward for truth. Freedom is the reward for honesty. If we want to be free from all the stuff, all the hang-ups that we carry around in our lives, it begins with us being honest with ourselves first. And then taking it to the Lord Jesus Christ and to someone that we completely trust. What we can talk about moral and personal inventory, this whole idea of confessing things to God, to ourselves and others. It's so important that we be honest with ourselves. It's so important that we understand that we need not be afraid of that. First John chapter 4 verse 18 says, perfect love casts out fear. So if you're afraid to do that, just take in consideration that the Word of God says, perfect love casts out fear. When I'm afraid of the truth, it's because I fully do not understand the depths of His love for me. And if I did understand the depth of His love, I would not be afraid to confess that to Him. And looking at our text today, we must understand what does it not say? Jesus did not say, blessed are the religious of heart. Or happy is the religious of heart. Because some of us are unhappy people. And I know that some of us are very religious people in this room today. Some of us consider yourself very religious. I'm not here to put anybody down. But there's a lot of people that say they're religious and they're miserable. They're miserable. They really are. There's people in, that I encounter each and every day that are miserable. And they will not be happy until I'm as miserable as they are. That's their mission in life. I can't be happy. I'm not happy. So I don't want you to be happy. And I'm going to make it rough on you. The whole, the, there, there's a whole life that is made up of rules. All of those rules are don'ts. 
Very, very hyper-religious people live by the world of don't. They think that Christianity is made up of don'ts. Don't, don't, no, no, no. They want us to think that what is life in Christ is all about. But I want to tell you today, that is not what life with Christ is all about. Life with Christ is not about the don'ts. Life and the Christian life and the journey of this growing in sanctification is about the do. It's about the can. I can, not I can't. I can. The Christian life is not about no, it's about yes. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. He says these words to the apostle, through the apostle Paul. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He didn't say, I can't do all things. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, my dear friends, we need to understand that the abundant life in Christ is for every one of us. And those that are frustrated and those that are trying to make everybody else frustrated are not understanding what Scripture is all about. Now, I'm not here to put you down. I'm just around a lot of people that are just negative. I just, negative people drive me insane. And thank God I'm at the stage in my life, I just don't have to hang out with them very long. To be quite honest with you, I won't. If they're negative and they're going to just be soured I you know I've, I'll never forget doing a revival service and we did a testimonial time Matt before the service this is not part of the notes this is me preaching so y'all hang on we did this testimonial service and the, and the pastor got up and says we want to testify here tonight and this lady stood up with this snarled look on her face she said I just want to say preacher I just love the Lord <laughs> I came real close I didn't but I came real close Joe saying darling why don't you tell your face that because it doesn't look like you love the Lord. I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. Now I want to give you two things to remember today. Number one is this. Jesus doesn't want me to be religious. He wants me to be real. He wants me to be real. John eleven forty three and 44. You remember this. I preached on this I think last year. Jesus cried in a loud voice. Lazarus come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, loose him, King James Version says, loose him and let him go. New American Standard says, unbind him, let him go. Take off the grave clothes and turn that boy loose. There's significance here. That, that, that means that nothing that binds us up keeps us from the fulfillment of life. Nothing that trips us up, nothing that tries to stumble us as we try to follow Jesus, nothing that covers us up keeps us hidden from the rest of the world. Nothing, none can that withstand the life-giving power that is in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why he says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. We don't have to walk around with the stinking grave clothes on all our lives. You gave up your life to Christ, death to life. There, is, there are things in our lives that keep us from the fulfillment of his life. 
My challenge to us today is let's stop being religious and let's start being real. That's what he said, blessed, blessed are those. That's why he says to us that we can be real. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Now talking to the disciples, now this is kind of mentoring right here. Talking to his disciples, Jesus said, you lose him, you let him go. We need people in our lives to help us set us free from the things that bind us up. And what are some practical ways we could do that? Well, life groups. You see, I truly believe that life groups are those spots where we not just teach the word, but we do life together. And as we're doing life together, we are building relationships together and we become more comfortable with those around us that are going through many of the same struggles. It might just be a different track, but we're walking through the same struggles and we can identify with that and we can share our needs and our wants and our hang-ups. We need people in our lives to, to help set us free from the things that bind us up. Life groups, Sunday school, whatever you want to call them, connection groups, discipleship groups. Notice he didn't say lose him and then bind him back up with a bunch of other religious things. He said take off those grave clothes and turn him loose. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Freedom in Christ sets us free. John 8, 36, if the Son of Man has set you free, you will be freed indeed. Happy are the pure in heart, not the religious heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. A pure heart will change your behavior. Repentance is not what you do in order to earn forgiveness. Repentance is what you do because you're forgiven and your forgiveness has already been paid for. If you'll remember, I made a statement several months ago that repentance leads to a change in attitude that leads to a change in action. When we are truly saved and we are truly repentant of our heart, our actions will change. We'll stop being the religious guy and we'll start being the real Christian. Amen? The world is begging for us to be real. Romans chapter 8, 5, verse 8, one of my favorite verses. God demonstrated his love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to clean up our act to die for us. The only way that we can have a pure heart through the blood of Jesus Christ, purity of heart is the gift of God's wonderful grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature or new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new. Let me ask you this question. Are you a new creation in Christ Jesus? Or are you just going to continue to walk in the same religious, stinking grave clothes that you've been walking in? Marietta, Georgia is dying. To see us stand up and say, I'm taking off the grave clothes and I've been set free. I'm going to live like a real Christian and not just religious. Amen? Well, there's a couple of people like that. Jesus doesn't want us to be religious. He wants us to be real. Secondly, the basics for a pure heart 
is not how good you've been or I've been. The basis for a pure heart is how good God is. The basis for a pure heart is how good God is. Psalms 139 verse 1, the psalmist wrote so beautifully. He said these words. You have looked, you searched me deep into my heart, Lord, and know all about me. God knows all, knows all, us all, every one of us. He knows that we all want to be set free. Surrendering to his lordship and purity will come when we say, Lord Jesus, I surrender all, all to him I freely give. I surrender it all. All of God's character, not our character, heaven forbid. You will see God in all of your thoughts throughout the rest of your life as he develops the character of Christ within you. That's when you will see God really in your life. Romans chapter 4 verse 17, Paul writes, God calls things that were not as though they were. I forgot it. I was going to bring it and I ran out of the house this morning and I forgot my mom's painting that she didn't complete. I was going to show it to you. We have a professional painter that does ministry in the room today, and he would probably go, yeah, it, it, it's almost there. Because he's a pro, I'm not. But I've looked at it and studied it enough that it's got some spots that are just not the same. It's just not done. She died before it was completed. You see, that's what God is doing in our lives. He is already declaring our heart pure. And even if you and I fall down, we can get back up. Even if we mess up, we can start all over again. We tend to, I tend to mess up and I want to hide from God, especially from the people that I know that know me. And God knows that and he still loves me regardless. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We need to commit that to memory. That's a verse that we need to rivet into our souls when we stumble, when we mess up, when we gossip, when we say that ugly thing to that spouse of yours or to that kid of yours or, or to that general person. When we make those tweets or we write on our internet or we do something in an email and we say something that's ungodly, then we should remind ourselves that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Oh, friends, don't miss this. God is not soft on sin. Not at all. God does not like sin at all. Fact of the matter is, God hates sin. But he loves the sinner. He loves us in such a way that he sent his only son to die for our sins. A shameless plug here, if, you, if I may. In a few weeks, we'll be launching our Easter celebration. And I've been fasting and praying and asking God, what can I bring that will be an encouragement? And God, for three weeks, has given me three words. Words from the cross that we're going to discuss for a three-week period. 
Oh, my dear friends, invite your friends. It'll be, I pray it will be the, the gospel presentation that they may not have ever heard. But let me tell you something, folks. God hates sin, but he loves a sinner, and he sent his own son. We desperately, desperately as a body of believers, we need a heart check. Check from the heart up. Because the choices that we've made, the things that others have done to us, regardless, these are continual struggles that shape our character that are not godly. They shape our behavior. They shape our thoughts. They shape our lives. And all the choices that have been given, we have been forgiven for. All of these we have been forgiven for. We need the grave clothes removed. All the hang-ups to go away. Philippians 1, 6 says, He who began a good work in you is faithful, and he will complete it, the work he started. God wants to do that in my life and in your life. He saved us, and he's not done with us. And glorification takes place when we Step over into glory. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more sinning. There'll be no more hang-ups. My knees will actually work properly. Your aches and pains will go away. But on this side of glory, the sanctification process is that we must come boldly to his throne of grace and say, God, today I ask for forgiveness. I want the work to be completed in me. Philippians 2, 12 says, so then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, Paul writes, but now so much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, folks in here, gather in here close. He did not say that you work for your salvation. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. Nothing. It is by God's grace that we have salvation. He says to work out your salvation. That is the process of growing in sanctification. You may say, you don't know my past, preacher. You've not unpacked my house, preacher. You don't know my pains or my hurts or my hang-ups, it's too late for me. Maybe you're saying here, viewing us by our live stream, you said, I, I can't do it. It's too late. I'm done. It's too late for me. Friends, friends it is never too late. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you'll confess your mouth, he is faithful and just to cleanse you of some, no, all unrighteousness. It's never too late. I love what the psalmist wrote in Psalms 32, 5. He says, finally, I confess all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. James, which I'll begin after winter break on Wednesday, Grow Groups. We're going to unpack James for about 12 weeks says in chapter 5, verse 16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, gather in here close, folks. It's a scary thing to do that. Because why? We, 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 you know, we, we've got it put together, man. We live in Marietta. What are you talking about? We live in Cobb County, Georgia. I, I mean, I got it going on. You want me to confess 
to Joe or to Gary or Matt? Are you kidding me? Perfect love cast out fear. In closing, we'll not look at all these verses. But I challenge you because I think it's written for you to go back and look at these. I want to give you three things to remember as we close. First of all, Jesus doesn't want us to be religious. He wants us to be real. And the basis of a pure heart is not how good we've been, but how good God is. And three things to remember. Remember God's kindness. God is kindness. Let me say this for you. He's kind because he's given you this moment. If he wanted to, you would be gone. But he's given us this moment. And should he tarry and let us live even longer, he's given us even additional moments. That's God's kindness towards us. Secondly, remember God's faithfulness. He began the work in us at salvation. He will complete that work of salvation in us. That's his faithfulness. And thirdly, let's remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. In closing, to have a pure heart, I must openly examine and confess my faults to myself and to someone that I trust. Maybe you're here today and you've never truly invited Jesus Christ into your life. Today is the day of salvation for you. Maybe today is the first time you've come to the understanding that, well, I've been a member at Roswell Street. I've been a church member. And I'm, I'm, my name is on the roll. And I even give tithes and offerings and give to the missions organization. And I, I, I do these things. And I, I help little ladies across the street. I do the wonderful things. But you've truly never invited Christ into your life. It's not too late. Today is the day of salvation for you. Maybe you're here viewing us by our live stream and you've never confessed Christ as Lord and received him as your personal Savior and Lord. Salvation is for you this moment. Maybe you just need to confess. Maybe you just need to say, I'm going to take the pride off. The grave clothes of pride and say, I surrender all to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you say, Dan, I've been a believer for a long time, but nobody knows this, but, and I don't want, I'm, I'm real un, uncertain about saying this, but I've got these grave clothes on that I've been walking around. I'm saved by God's grace, but I'm bound up. I've got religious robes on. Maybe today Jesus is saying, would you take off those religious robes and be free? Blessed are the pure at heart, for they shall see God. Let's pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. As Joe and our instrumentalists begin to play and begin to lead us into our song of invitation today, maybe you're here today and today you, God has spoken to your heart and you're now at that point of saying, I, I'm going to just set aside. I'm going to take off the, gro- the, the religious robes And I'm going to receive his grace and his goodness and his mercy here today. Maybe today you said, I want to be a part of a faith family. 
that preaches and teaches God's word in such a way that is practical but completely biblical. And I want to be a part of a faith family that makes an emphasis on salvation, puts an emphasis on sanctification, pointing us to glorification. I want to be a part of faith family. If that be the, your, your, your heart today, you have found your home called Roswell Street Baptist Church. We open our heart to you today. Father God, do your work in this place right now. Father, I, I sense there's some in this room right now. I sense in this room right now, Lord Jesus, and maybe some viewing by our live stream, they are struggling. They are, they are walking in that religious robes. We can't see those religious robes. They get on this facade. They're playing the game of church, but they're tired. And the days and months and years they have left on this side of glory, they want to walk freed in you today. God, give them courage to stand up and step out. Thank you, Father, for reminding me this week as I prepared the message you had for me to deliver today, how important it is for those of us in leadership positions that we walk free, unbound by the things of this world. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you're about to do in our midst. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' holy name we pray.